The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. This is episode number 58. My name is Bill Welker. Today is Sunday, July the 16th, and typically I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff the Animal Wilson. He's on vacation, so I had to trade him in for another Jeff. One of my training partners, Grace Clearwater, call him the Kimura King, <laughs> Jeff Bogman. Jeff. How are you doing on this Sunday afternoon, my friend? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for having me here, Bill. Uh, we got, we're having some uh, tequila by the ocean. Um, so I, I told Bill I wasn't a big tequila fan, and he said, well, you haven't tried the good stuff or the right way. So he invited me over to, for some great fights this afternoon uh, in Glasgow and uh, was introducing me to some new beverages. And I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, anytime. You're always welcome. So before we get into UFC Fight Night 113, which we just finished watching we just turned the card off we just watched Gunnar Nelson get his lights turned off by Santiago Ponzinibbio let's touch on the tequila a little bit because when you had told me one day kind of in passing that you never really got into tequila or it it never really sat with you the right way and I feel like I talked to so many people that this happens to because a lot of times especially when you're in college and stuff or you're out partying with people Tequila is always the last thing to come out at night, and you do the shots of Cuervo or, or whatever it is at the end of the night, and then you end up puking, and it's, <laughs> it's never a good time, and I feel like everybody always associates that with tequila, and that's why people say, I don't do tequila, tequila is not for me. Is this kind of the experience you've had with this spirit in the past? Yeah, and, and I always joke, I say, the only time I've ever had any brushes with the law had been with tequila. Um, <laughs> So my tequila experience has been in shots of maybe if I'm lucky and I have some rich friends, uh, a Patron, or uh, <laughs> usually some Jose Cuervo, or I'll have it in a margarita. So this is uh, my first experience of having it in some good drinks and mm-hmm. uh, uh, much less the other uh, good stuff that you uh, gave me today. Yeah. So you, you told me you're kind of a whiskey bourbon guy. So this is what I typically do to ease people, Tran- make the transition from whiskey to tequila. Um, so for those of you who follow on YouTube, and this episode is not on YouTube, so don't go looking for it. Don't go looking for the video there. Uh, if you want to see some pictures of what Jeff Bogman looks like, you're going to have to track those down uh, <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere. Um, so my last cocktail video I did was a cocktail that I made up, and I call it Agua Vida. And I infuse uh, silver tequila with coffee beans. And I do it in a smoked glass, like an old-fashioned, with some orange bitters. So this is the first drink that I served you as soon as you walked in the door here, Jeff. Uh, so what do you think of this one? Because the, the way I think of it is, you know, I kind of try to bring some more earthiness out of the tequila by adding the coffee flavors, and that usually goes over well with the whiskey drinkers. So what were your thoughts on that initially? Uh, it was a great drink. I was very surprised. I was expecting it to be uh, that that little gasp or that uh, 
that face you make when you drink a, a hard liquor like a scotch or a, most of the tequilas I've, I've had in the past. This definitely, you could taste the smoke. Um, one detail Bill left out with that is he has these wonderful large square ice cubes that really, <laughs> uh, really added to it. Um, no, I, I thought it was a great, there was just that hint of smoke uh, from the, I think it was cedar. You had like a cedar plank that you burned up mm-hmm. um, to get the smoke on the glass. Um, there was just that hint of coffee. Um, it was a great warm-up drink. Uh, we sat there. It was a good sipping. I was surprised I could sit there and sip. It wasn't uh, a take a shot and go. Yeah. So it was a great great way to start off the day. That's where a lot of people do tequila wrong, I think, is you, you, you end up being conditioned to think that tequila is that end-of-the-night shot. Tequila was originally created as a sipping drink. And in Mexico and a lot of places where they're a lot more sophisticated about drinking than we are here in the States, um, they, they do sip on the tequila. Now I'm a big advocate of drink it however the fuck you want to drink it. You know, if you want to sip it, sip it. If you want to shoot it, shoot it. If you want to take it in the ass, you know, take it in the ass, much like life. Uh, so we transitioned from that smoky Agua Vida cocktail. I gave you some, uh, Los Altos, which is a silver tequila, and we just did that on, a, on the rocks. They're uh, friends of the show. I've featured them a couple of times before. So after I kind of eased you into it with the bourbon-esque kind of smoked old-fashioned coffee tequila, uh, after I roped you in with that, I gave you some of this Los Altos on the rocks. I didn't even tell you what it was. I just handed it to you, but I'm telling you right now what it was. <laughs> So this is like a mid-level tequila. It's nothing like top, top shelf like a Patron or anything like that. It's not bottom shelf like a Cuervo or anything. It's kind of like a, you know, middle of the road tequila that's super solid and super smooth. But uh, what were your, what was your take on this after I after transitioning from the uh, the coffee based cocktail? Oh, it was great. I, I actually really loved it. It was. Uh... I was waiting, again, waiting for that bite. That was kind of my uh, experience with uh, bad tequila in the past. Mm-hmm. This was really, really smooth. It was great. It was just simple, right on the rocks. It was almost a crispness to it. Um, that that one actually went down really quick. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 that, that one uh, went away real quick. It was sitting next to a glass of water, and I'm you know, debating on which one I should be drinking, and uh, that one went down first. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, that's a great one. I'd recommend that one for sure. All right. So the lesson here is don't be afraid of tequila, friends. Tequila can be an ally. And you just have to know the right way to approach it because tequila can very quickly become your enemy uh, yes. <laughs> if you introduce it at the wrong time. So if you're doing shots of tequila at the end of the night, you're going to have a bad association. So you got to kind of ease into it. If you're a whiskey drinker, definitely try infusing your tequila. Te- tequila, we've had a little bit. <laughs> if I haven't mentioned that already, try infusing your tequila with a little bit of coffee beans. I like dark roast coffee, so I infused it with uh, some French roast coffee beans. You just leave them uh, in a jar with the tequila for a couple of days, and they'll kind of soak up those flavors. And then you make a a cocktail as you would with a whiskey or bourbon, and it comes out pretty nice. So. Check out that video on YouTube if you get the chance. So let's get into some mixed martial arts. So we just finished watching UFC Fight Night 113, which uh, took place in Glasgow, Scotland, which is why the event wrapped up at 6 o'clock here 
on the east coast of the United States. So a uh, nice, easy fight card. We got to enjoy it during the afternoon. Uh, very explosive main event. So Gunnar Nelson, uh, top-level welterweight prospect uh, who's been in there with some of the best of the best and, and looked awesome in his last fight. Uh, he was a, a favorite coming in against Santiago Ponzinibbio, who is known for his pressure. He's gone to a decision in his last couple of fights, so... Uh, he hasn't really been able to pull the trigger, but he pulled the trigger against Gunnar Nelson. Uh, what were your takeaways from this fight, Jeff? My takeaways is uh, Gunnar Nelson, <laughs> the only grappling he got to do was with the referee at the end <laughs> after he got knocked out. Um, it was just amazing watching that right-hand land, and then he just turned around and was almost running away to capture his breath, uh, breath uh, Gunnar Nelson was, and then just came through with that you know, uh, Santiago came through with that stiff jab, dropped him right away, and it was done. And it was it was amazing it was over that quick because I know Gunnar Nelson's a tough guy. And uh, I was surprised he, you know, he came out quick. Gunnar Nelson came out quick with uh, some nice combinations. But, um, you know, Santiago obviously had a plan. You know, he was going to put the pressure on and uh, came mm-hmm. in very precise and nice straight right and then uh, followed up with that jab and finished him off. Yeah, he kind of got off his game plan right off the bat because Gunnar Nelson has that awkward style. He has that sideways karate stance, and uh, he trains over there with Conor McGregor. So he may have, I know he has a karate background, but I'm sure that it's, it's been a natural transition for him to fight in that way. And the finish was interesting because Ponzinibbio is swinging kind of wild, and then as soon as he threw a straight punch, it came right through, and there was nothing stopping it, and it put Gunnar Nelson down. So Nelson was the favorite there. I think they may have been trying to build him up, but uh, they definitely put Ponzinibbio uh, in a big spotlight here. So great for his career. I mean, he's a tough fighter. He's been around for a while now. So there's definitely big things in his future. I would imagine he'll get a top five fighter next. Uh, Nelson was up there in the top 10. So uh, Ponzinibbio definitely making a name for himself. Uh, I wouldn't want to have his name come up in a spelling bee, uh, but I am looking forward to his next fight. So it, it wasn't the only uh, European who faced an upset on this card. You know, this card was in Scotland, and it was not a great night for the Scots. So in the co-main event, Cynthia Calvillo coming away with a unanimous decision over hometown girl and off-weight Joanne Jojo Calderwood who was three pounds overweight for this fight, probably should be fighting at flyweight. Uh, kind of a surprising decision to me. What did you think about this one, Jeff? Yeah, I was also shocked, Bill. I, I Really, I had it down. Um, maybe not. I, I thought it was going to be a split decision. I thought Calvillo really, she was, prou- she was uh, prowling around that ring like a tiger. And mm-hmm. One of my big takeaways is JoJo, she always is very calm in the ring. She was very quick. I watched her check a kick. It is effortless. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really was shocked at the outcome. I, I, I had uh, Calderwood winning this one, possibly even a split decision because of the takedowns and the last-minute uh, submissions attempts. Um, very great defense by uh, JoJo Calderwood to against a very dangerous opponent in uh, um, Cynthia Calvillo who transitions beautifully on the ground. I mean, mm-hmm. she that first round, she, I think, made three or four submission attempts in the last 30 seconds, and they all were locked in. She had another 10 seconds or so. She might have been done. But um, 
30-27, I, I don't know. But you can definitely yeah. say those uh, Scotland judges are not. They don't show favorites. Uh. Yeah. And it was. I think she was the first Scottish fighter to make it to a decision. So it is fair to say that they don't show bias over there in Scotland with their athletic commission. You know, they called it, you know, kind of the way they saw it. And I can't really see this one going 30-27 for Calvillo because I definitely thought Calderwood took that second round. And I think one judge gave that second round to Calderwood. Um, but yeah, Calvillo stole the last minute of the first and the third. But other than that, I saw Calderwood controlling the pace of the fight. Like you said, her striking looks effortless. And she showed some solid um, submission defense on the ground. So it was kind of an interesting decision. Uh, 30-27, I don't know if I agree with, but uh, I don't think it was a robbery for Calderwood. It was definitely a competitive fight. Definitely looking forward to seeing both of these ladies back in there again. So Calvillo stays undefeated. And, uh, you know, she'll move up in the rankings for sure. And I would like to see Calderwood move up in the weight classes once this 125-pound uh, women's division is established after... For those who don't know, the next season of Ultimate Fighter is going to be the establishment of the women's flyweight division, so 125-pound uh, weight class. As of now, all we have is 115 pounds, 135 pounds, and we kind of have... 145 pounds, but that division is going through some drama. We won't go there right now. But the difference between 115 and 135 is huge. Yeah. You know, so if you if you can if you're too big for 115 and too small for 135, you're kind of screwed. Uh, any other thoughts on this one, Jeff, or what you'd like to see next from these two young ladies? I mean, Cynthia, she has been on the rise. Uh, she has steadily taken down everybody that they've thrown up. Um, she's the first fighter in uh, 2017, male or female, with three wins. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's right there knocking on the door uh, for the top five. Uh, you know, I'd love to see her uh, against somebody like Claudia. That'd be a great matchup is uh, watch her against uh, somebody like Claudia Gadelia. I don't know if she's quite there yet, but, you know, the ground game that they yeah. both have and the body type and the aggressiveness, uh, that'd be a great fight to watch. And yeah, uh, Jojo. I, I, you know, I don't know where she's gonna go. Like, I agree with you. She needs to go to 125. She was already in the house at the Ultimate Fighter for the when they debuted mm -hmm. the women's uh, strawweight division. So I don't think she necessarily needs to go back there. But it, it, you know, be interesting to see what she does in that. She's gonna be a veteran. She'd yeah. be a good role model for those uh, women coming in at 125. For sure. I think give her some time off, and I think while they film that season of the Ultimate Fighter, she can kind of rest up maybe appear on the tough finale, take on somebody who is in the house, and then probably challenge for that 125-pound uh, title pretty quickly. But this was not the first time she missed weight. She's clearly too large for this. And she looked much bigger than Calvillo, who also struggled to made, make weight but did make weight. And Calderwood looked a lot bigger in the cage there. So uh, great fight, uh, great things in the future for these two. Uh, and again, not a great night for the Scottish fighters. So Stevie Ray, who was a favorite coming in against Paul Felder, uh, KO'd in the first round. He took a nasty knee to the face where Felder had him in the clinch up against the cage and brought his far knee from a mile and a half away into Stevie Ray's face 
and Stevie Ray collapsed over himself, literally head over heels. Uh, you and I were both kind of saying the fight probably should have been stopped there. And then Felder got on top. He had to kind of wiggle around his positioning a little bit and then dropped three giant bomb elbows on Stevie Ray's face and put him to sleep. Uh, what do you think of Felder's performance here, Jeff? Uh, Felder looked great. I mean, that <laughs> Stevie Ray, I think, thought he's in a different country right now uh, other because he, he, that guy was out. And he, yeah. I think the only reason the ref probably didn't stop it because of the way his knees came up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost looked like he was defending. I think he was just so far out of it, his body locked in that position. Yeah. He, that knee was so rough. Um, you know, one thing with Paul Felder that I didn't know beforehand was I, I didn't realize he had his so much scar tissue above his eye. Bill showed me a picture mm-hmm. of that previous injury. And amazing, he had one little trickle of blood coming out of that um, that uh, uh, Stevie Ray was able to get on him. But, I mean, it was it was... I wouldn't say it was a bad stoppage. I could see from the rest posi- position where, you know, they could think he could still go. But, I mean, that guy, he needs to definitely go through some kind of concussion protocol <laughs> <laughs> after those elbows. Those, I mean, but Paul Felder's got to finish the fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Paul Felder with that scar tissue, you probably sneeze on his right eye and it'll open up. Uh, after For anybody who saw that giant gash he took, I think it was two fights ago, uh, it was pretty gruesome. If you just Google Paul Felder eye, uh, that picture, the picture of Paul Felder's cut will come up right away. It's one of the most epic eye gashes uh, in combat sports history. Uh, the goat vagina, as Joe Rogan refers to those <laughs> kinds of cuts. Uh, <laughs> um, so the fight before that, uh, pretty competitive. And another interesting eye injury so we had the Canadian Ryan Janes against the Welshman Jack Marshman. So Marshman showing superior striking in the first round, just lighting Ryan Janes up, who's known as a grappler, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, just coming in with his head straight up, uh, which I know you had a big problem with, Jeff. And then the momentum kind of swayed a little bit. I thought Ryan James dominated that third round and basically uh, took Marshman's eye out of the game and and kind of battered him. And as Marshman was doing his post-fight interview, so Marshman won by unanimous decision. As he's doing his post-fight interview, his right eye is closing as we were watching him speak. Uh, so let's start at the first round of this fight. Jeff, and your assessment of Ryan Jane's uh, striking strategy, I guess you would call it? Yeah, I don't know if it's a strategy, but somebody needs to get that guy a boxing coach. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know much about boxing. I mean, obviously, I have my coaches, and uh, we, we do some training over at Gracie Clearwater, but I know that you don't lift your head up like that. You don't <laughs> lean back. You're going to get knocked out. And how he didn't get knocked out through that entire fight, I still don't mm-hmm. understand, but he kept it pretty consistent. I mean, he's got a big, long, thick neck. I mean, the guy must have one heck of a chin because he took some shots in that first round. Um, I mean, it, it was amazing to watch the way it swung back and forth, but he needs to get a boxing coach, uh, <laughs> something fast, and learn some defense because it, it wasn't I, – I, maybe Jack Marshman does too because he, he was leaving it out there. And, uh, you know, I know yeah. I'm sure he's got some power, but I've never seen anybody lack of head movement and keeping their chin up 
like that in uh, UFC. So yeah, it was pretty crazy how he just had his head straight up in the air, and he was a lot taller than Marshman, so maybe there was a strategy to keep his head far away from Marshman's reach. Uh, it was pretty impressive how he battered Marshman's eye at the end of the fight. What were your thoughts when we were watching the post-fight interview and his eye started closing yeah, up? It, we were watching. I, look, it, I said it looked like two ass cheeks, like forming <laughs> the way his cheek and his his eye and his eyebrow went from being horizontal to vertical. It was curling as he was talking, and um, you know, I mean, good for him. He won. It was a close fight. I mean, credit to Ryan James for coming back the way he did. Um, you know, because really he was getting battered up in the first round, but he. Mm-hmm. It, it, Came back and made a very competitive fight. Uh, I was surprised James, you know, next to a boxing coach, he probably needs to get a wrestling coach because, you know, I'm sure once he gets on the ground, I mean, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, they're no joke. Yeah. Uh, I don't care across the board. They don't hand those things out. But he, any, the takedowns he did were lackluster. Um, yeah. To say the least. Um, you know, but maybe rethink his strategy. But yeah, Jack Marshman uh, is a tough guy. He, he He's going to have a hard time seeing out of that one tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> you know, even tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think right now if that the way that thing was swelling up, his eye is definitely going to be completely shut by this point. He looked like Popeye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for the sake of of saving his vision in his right eye, they probably should have had him out of that cage <laughs> and icing that thing down immediately to stop the swelling. But you know, you got to do the post the post fight interview. So. Uh, props to him for winning the fight over Ryan James, who I'm sure is a tough guy on the ground, but we didn't get to see it. The other thing we didn't get to see is any sort of personality out of Khalil Roundtree. So ultimate fighter, uh, veteran, uh, coming in against local boy. Again, not a great night for the, for the Scots men and women. Uh, Paul Craig coming in, just bringing nothing to the table. But Khalil Roundtree from the beginning... Didn't look like he even wanted to be there. He had like this look on his face like, I don't really feel like doing this. And he came out with his hands down. He's thrusting his crotch at Paul Craig, trying to get him to react. Craig does nothing until he just eats big punches to the face at the end of the round. And uh, maybe a late stoppage by the referee, but there was only 10 seconds left. So, you know, you got to kind of give a little leeway there. Uh, What were your thoughts on... Khalil's attitude and Paul Craig's lack of presence in this fight. Yeah, Paul Craig, he's known as a fiery character, and he didn't really show any of that. Mm -hmm. Really, he seemed hesitant. He was, I wouldn't say dancing. I I think he tried to implement his strategy the best he could, keeping his distance, because Khalil Roundtree, I watched him on The Ultimate Fighter. I knew he was a dangerous striker, a lot of power, but his attitude in it, it, it did not look like he wanted to be there. I know he had a knockout in his last fight, but his UFC record's not that been that great. Mm-hmm. I'm still searching for the D in his name. That's been driving <laughs> me nuts. It's, it's Roundtree, R-O-U-N-T-R-E-E, but you know maybe that's that's where his attitude is. He, yeah. <laughs> he he and then he he made some weird comments after he won. You know that he had no plan, but he did have a strategy or something like that. Yeah. And you know, we we thought the attitude might have been there. Might have been some beef. Between the two, you know, some shit talking leading up to the fight, but it yeah. didn't seem like that in the post-interview con- the comments. He just, I don't know. I, I think maybe he's got to find his passion again for this sport. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a dangerous guy. He got in there once he figured out what he wanted to do. He was playing head games, and it worked for him. I mean, but 
you know, I was saying it, I get nervous. I see somebody with their arms down, dancing around the ring in yellow tight shorts. It remind <laughs> me of Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman, you know, taking advantage of that. And, yeah. you know, Justin, or I'm sorry, uh, Paul Craig just didn't do the same thing Chris Weidman did and, you know, go at him. So, yeah. Uh, you know, good for a clear roundtree for the win. I, I, hopefully he can figure out what he wants to do. I don't know how many fights he's got left on his contract, but he's definitely got the skills and the talent. He just, I think he just needs to get his head in the game. Yeah, so roundtree, like most people with a bad attitude, probably just needs the D. Uh, in, his ca- <laughs> <laughs> in his case, it's in his name. Uh, in other people's case, it's elsewhere. So let's move on to uh, the heavyweight matchup, which uh, you and I were commenting... Uh, Justin Willis and James Mulheron, uh, we were kind of commenting that these two were kind of mirror images of each other. One, Even one was orthodox and the other was southpaw, and they had very similar rotund body structures. But uh, these heavyweights kind of went at it for three rounds. They kept up like a pretty... A pretty decent pace for big boys. Uh, what did you think about this one, Jeff? Yeah, it was a fun fight to watch. I mean, it, it's one of the few heavyweight fights that you'll see go to a decision. Um, you know, we noted, uh, I, I think it was uh, James Mulheron, uh came in a little bit heavier. He was, or, uh, he was a lighter guy. He was at 240, and, uh, you know, J- Justin Willis came in at 264. So it did not look yeah. like there was a 24-pound difference at that stage. <laughs> they had the exact same body type. Even down to their man boobs were the same shape. Um, you know, it was just it was just a funny looking. Even their shorts were mirror images. One was black on white, the other one was white on black. Yeah, <laughs> and similar fighting styles. Um, you know, it's it's a heavyweight bout. You know, they traded back and forth, and they were both throwing big. Not much uh, ground game from either of them, but it was a fun fight to watch. Uh, yeah. But you could definitely see the gas going out. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, Mulharoon, he threw a spinning back fist and he let his other two arms just kind of spin back around with him because he was so exhausted. <laughs> you know, a little bit yeah. of flurry at the end, but, you know, you know, it, like I said, for a heavyweight fight to go to the end, that's pretty amazing for those guys swinging leather at that size. You know, they're throwing with strength. It was a good, you know, a good decision. You know, um, Justin Willis definitely was keeping up the pace and a little bit more accurate. So, you know, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't have a problem with the win on that one. Yeah, and in the first and third rounds, he had some top control time on the ground. He got some takedowns on Mulhran, and uh, he, he had some opportunities on the ground. He had some arm triangles he could have set up, but he didn't really capitalize on them. I don't know what his level of jiu-jitsu is, but uh, not really taking advantage of some openings uh, that he was given on the ground there, but uh, definitely deserving of that unanimous decision victory so the fight right before that um european british danny roberts against uh, american bobby nash who was a collegiate wrestler at michigan state i believe and was controlling a majority of this fight until towards uh the end of the second round where danny roberts came out of nowhere with the knockout punch uh so nash using his wrestling and his range to kind of control this matchup for the most part, and then Roberts uh, displaying his power uh, basically when he was uh, backed into a corner. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, my biggest thought is Danny Roberts has probably one of the best nicknames I've seen in the UFC in a while. Um, <laughs> next, uh, it's Danny, it's uh, Hot Chocolate Roberts. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he definitely displayed some of that today. Where yeah. He, he got that knockout. You know, Bobby Nash did a great job with his wrestling, uh, I was very impressed. Um, I, Roberts had a, had a nice some takedown defense for a guy that well he was able to defend one or two of them but 
I think Bobby uh, Nash got two of the five takedowns, got a nice body lock from behind. Mm-hmm. You know, we really displayed that well and then just, you know, I don't want to say he got caught, but he definitely took one straight to the chin and that was all she wrote. Yeah, for sure. So great fight. I, I'd be excited to see both of these guys back in there. I thought they put on a good performance, uh, especially for, you know, an undercard of a Sunday afternoon fight night. You can't really ask for a much better fight than that. Uh, the fight before that was not so competitive. So Neil Siri, Irish fighter, 37 years old. This was his going away party that got spoiled by the Brazilian. Uh, I'll call him Alexander. I'm sure it's pronounced um, much more exotically than that. But Alexander Pantoja. Uh, yeah, once you see this guy who you never really heard of is having his farewell fight, against a guy 10 years younger than him, that's a bad sign. And it didn't play out so well. He did okay standing, but once Pantoja got sick of the striking game, he took it to the ground, uh, there was a clear discrepancy there, and he was able to choke Siri out in the third round. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't pretty, but, you know, not your ideal way you want to retire, but probably a good thing that he is. So what were your takeaways from this one, Jeff? Well, I was really rooting for Siri. Uh, I'm training up for a fight right now, and I'm a little bit older than Siri. So, you know, there was a a little piece of me that really wanted to see him be able to do this. Yeah. Uh, You know, but, no, he was getting beat around. My takeaways were, Siri's a tough guy. I mean, they were both throwing hard from the jump. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Neil Siri, it was was weird, though. He got against the cage, and, you know, I'm going to say Alexandre, you know. Yeah, that's probably, yeah. That's closer to what it should be. (laughs) Siri was just sticking his legs, or sticking, he was trying to, you know, keep the knees. He was just getting kneed to death against the cage. And obviously, you don't want to do that, but he was just sticking his leg out. And I don't know why Alexandre didn't take him down. I I couldn't figure that out. You know, maybe he was setting him up, wanted to, you know, pound him down a little bit more, Mm -hmm. set him up for the submission later. But, you know, he just had, he had takedowns all day long on that cage. And, you know, his knees were just very effective. and But, you know, Siri is a tough guy. He kept coming back. Wasn't dominant, but, you know, he was not going to go out lightly. So, I mean, good for him for showing a tough fight. But, you know, you give your back up in the UFC, you're just going to get choked out. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of these uh, retirement fights. Uh, we were talking earlier about this. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's rare you're going to get a, a good fight uh, going out. And it's just tough unless you're like a Vitor Belfort or a Uriah Faber, you know, you know, you know, those are those are rare cases. Usually these retirement fights don't end well. And, um, you know, if you think it's time to hang it up, uh, as soon as you announce that, it's probably you shouldn't take that fight. Yeah, as soon as you have it in your head, the R word, as they say, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> it's it's tough because if you know it's your last one. You know, you, you kind of lighten up a little bit. It's like anything else. Like if you're out running, like all right, this is my last mile, or this is the last block. You're like, I did kind of accomplished what I want to do already, and you kind of let up a little bit. I think the more wise way to retire is to go full steam until you realize, you know, you're running into a wall, or you're, you know, you, you've hit your limits, or your body can't do what it used to be able to do anymore. But unfortunately, a lot of guys don't do that. So. Uh, I'll move away from the UFC Fight Night 113. Uh, the opener of that card, though, Leslie Smith coming away with a TKO victory in the second round of her fight, so it's good to see her bounce back with a victory. Leslie, 
Leslie Smith, unfortunately, probably known to UFC fans for uh, being one of the last people knocked out by Christiane Cyborg Santos. Um, but definitely not her best showing. She's a tough competitor, so it was good to see her get back in the win column. Any other thoughts on the 113 fight night from Glasgow, Jeff? Well, we kind of got into the prelims a little bit late, and um, I think one we missed, but we saw the highlights was uh, Galore Bufondo. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, I've never seen that in a UFC fight. I'm sure it's not the first one, but uh, doing the slam off the cage and knocking the guy out with the body slam. Yeah. Plus, I've never seen anybody whose name was Galore other than (laughs) the James Bond, old James Bond movie with Pussy Galore. Maybe that was the inspiration, but... (laughs) You know, he, he was out there rocking those Afro puffs and uh, slammed yeah. him off the cage. It was awkward. It didn't look like he really hit his head. looked like he hit more of his shoulder, but I'm sure if somebody that big would uh, pick me up off the cage and slam me down like that, I might be out too. Yeah, it was a really... I hadn't seen a slam knockout in a long time, especially not at this level. You know, sometimes you'll see him in like an amateur video or, or something on YouTube, but not at the UFC level. It's hard to... It's hard to manhandle an athlete of this level and slam them on their head like that. But, yeah, unusual name, unusual finish, and um, unusual record, too, because he's 5-2. and two, His only two losses came by way of disqualification. I'm not really sure what the story is there, but I plan to look into it. Uh, so thanks for bringing that one up again. Uh, so, yeah, go back and watch the highlight of that fight because... But overall, really solid car. A lot of great finishes. We had some upsets. You know, pretty much anything you'd want to get out of a free card on a Sunday afternoon. So a really good one. We have a great uh, fight night on Fox. UFC on Fox 25 coming up on July 22nd, right around the corner. And it's headlined by former UFC middleweight champion Chris Weidman and former UFC welterweight who has moved up uh, against his will to middleweight Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Chris Weidman's in a tough spot. Uh, you know, I, I listen to uh, other podcasts. I've heard him go on. I'm a big fan of Chris Weidman. But, you know, he's coming out of, uh, what, I think a three-fight losing streak. Yeah. And, you know, but he's a stud. I mean, and he's fighting in his hometown. But I, And I don't feel like it's the pressure that's getting to him. He's just in a weird funk. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen, and and honestly, Kelvin Kelvin's a dangerous guy. He was dangerous at 170. He's going to be dangerous at 185. He's already proven that in the division. Yep. He's on this weird little pause. Uh, I think he got popped by Usada for marijuana. Yeah. Which uh, you know I don't <laughs> I don't know if they consider that performance enhancing or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know it's going to be a good fight. They're both solid strikers. I know uh, Gaslam's got some good wrestling. Uh, maybe not quite to the level of Weidman, but. You know, I, I'm interested to see. I, I, you know, it's it's anybody's fight right there. I mean, that's going to be a great main event. Uh, I could see, you know, I could see that honestly going either way. I, I definitely wouldn't put money on it. But yeah, yeah. If this is Weidman. If Weidman loses, I don't know what's going to happen to him after this. I don't think he's going to get cut. But yeah. they have to make a serious decision about his next fight because they did not throw him a uh, cupcake by any means. Yeah, you got to wonder. Uh, what Wyden's future will look like if he loses this. It's it's kind of an odd thing for a guy who never tasted defeat to lose three in a row. It kind of came out of nowhere. You know, here's the guy who took down arguably the greatest of all time in Anderson Silva, not once, but twice. And, you know, you could say, like, the second time was a freak injury, but, you know, according to Wyden, he was strategically planning the way he was checking those leg kicks 
in a way that, you know, if you've ever kicked somebody, it felt, it feels like sometimes your leg's going to break in half. And, and that time for Anderson Silva, it actually did. So it's hard to say what's next for Chris Weidman if he loses this one. He's definitely backed into a corner here, especially against a guy who came up from 170. He's won two fights at middleweight already. He seems to have a lot of momentum behind him. So it's it's like what's going to cave, the experience at middleweight of Weidman or the momentum at middleweight of Kelvin Gastelum. And that's kind of why this one's a pick em. I think Weidman's a, a slight underdog according to Vegas odds right now. But, uh, you know, Gaslam definitely has momentum on his side, and I think that's what makes him the favorite. Tell me a little bit about the uh, fight card preview that you saw, because I hadn't seen this one, and I, I thought this was pretty funny the way they did it. Yeah, no, they, they did a... Uh, so most of the fighters here, because they're fighting in Long Island, you know, and the common nickname for that is Strong Island. So I, I think <laughs> there's two fighters out of Matt Sarah's gym and, you know, a multitude of others from other local gyms there. But they did a uh, Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. type, uh, um, what you want to call it, remake. Yeah. Where they had all these guys kind of walking up along the ocean in uh, different suits. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gian Vellante, yeah. a good-looking guy. He was there. He's shirtless underneath the suit, you know. <laughs> and uh, they're all looking very dapper. Yeah. You know, Aljamain Sterling, he's out there. He's got some brightly colored stuff on. It was a pretty cool uh, preview of what's going on there. I mean, it's just a talent bed up there in uh, Strong Island. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of great talent out there. Uh, a lot of tough guys, especially if you go out to the bars on Long Island. Uh, <laughs> a lot yeah. of a lot of beer muscles floating around. So they definitely have like their own kind of Long Island swagger. So I could definitely see how uh, that would be kind of a funny uh, preview. So Gian Vellante has a big task in front of him, taking on Patrick Cummings. That's an interesting fight. Uh, Darren Elkins, who has you know one of the best comebacks in UFC history in his last fight, taking on Dennis Bermudez. That's a great scrap. Jimmy Rivera and Thomas Almeida. That's going to be an awesome fight. They're both uh, you know Rivera's twenty and one, Almeida's twenty one and one. He's only lost uh, to the current champion Cody Garbrandt. Uh, out of those fights, Jeff, which one jumps out to you the most? So out of uh, Volante Cummings, Elkins Bermudez, and Rivera Almeida. I really, I think the one I, I kind of want to see the most is probably Elkins Bermudez. I mean, mm-hmm. they're both tough guys. Uh, like you said, Elkins is on this huge comeback. But we just watched Dennis Bermudez, I think, uh, two or three fight cards ago. It was pretty recent. And, uh, you know, he's just an amazing fighter. I just want to see them both go out there and scrap. I mean, there's there's no slouches on this card. This is going to be yeah. a great card for uh, a fight night card. You know, getting ready for, obviously, the big one on July 29th with uh, Jones and Cormier. Um, you know, I want to see Volante. I wish Ally Quinta was on this card, honestly. is uh, He's another strong yeah. island guy, but, you know, <laughs> when you tell Dana White to go fuck off, uh, I think you're going to have a hard time getting fights there. Yeah, um, and there's kind of a bottleneck at that 155-pound division. A lot of those guys, you know, they kind of get to a certain level, and then they want to pick and choose their matchups. So, Ali Quinta had a lot of momentum. He probably could have built up a big fight, but then... There's not really a big name available to match up with him because Tony Ferguson's holding out for Khabib. Nate Diaz is holding out for Conor McGregor and so on and so forth. And it, it just bottlenecks all the way down. Kevin Lee is holding out for Khabib, but Khabib is, is uh, you know, apparently yeah. holding out for Ferguson. It's like, it's like a whole big nasty uh, love affair that's going on and like nobody... 
and, and you know, at the same time, there's a whole bunch of jealousy about Conor McGregor going on and fighting Floyd Mayweather, which uh, we're going to avoid talking about on this show because I know everybody's sick of it. <laughs> uh, if you do want to hear my perspective on that, when you go back and listen to episode 54, I did an entire episode dedicated to that fight. I gave my take on it. I did it with Blake Stevenson from the uh, Loaded Joe's MMA podcast. And I did that intentionally. So if you're sick of it, you could skip episode 54. And if you wanted to hear my take on it, you could go back and listen to it. So, Jeff, any kind of uh, culminating thoughts? UFC fight night from Glasgow. Uh, the Long Island card coming up next week. Well, you were talking about the bottleneck at 155. You know, one thing mm-hmm. that's scheduled, um, you know, is the Eddie Alvarez and Gustin, uh, I'm sorry, Justin uh, Gaichke, yeah, who were just announced are going to be the next coaches on the Ultimate Fighter, which I'm assuming is going to be the one for the women's uh, 125. Mm-hmm. So you know that that further complex. I mean, we just named off about I think the top six fighters in yeah. that, that 155 division. Uh, you know. Yeah, I would love to see some of these uh, these you know top five out of that get resolved this summer. But it looks like everything's going to be towards the uh, later this summer. Um, but you know, UFC Glasgow that was a solid card. I mean, that was yeah. a fun night. That was a fun afternoon. You know, uh, sipping on tequila out here by the ocean and watching fights. I mean, <laughs> they UFC steadily putting on uh, you know solid cards. The upcoming card is probably going to be the best one of the year. Uh, that I can think of. I mean, we just had a great one. Yeah, and for then sure. we got uh, Jones Cormier coming up, and you know, it's it's this one. It's just a great summer uh, for fights. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then you know, uh, Mayweather McGregor will bring a lot of eyes to the sport as well. I think it's good timing. You know, a lot of new MMA fans may come over if they want to see what this whole thing is about. You know, one of the first pay per views they'll be watching is Jones Cormier. And that card is so stacked. I mean, you got Robbie the Loyal Lawyer and uh, Cowboy Cerrone. But, yeah, so you br- I'm glad you brought up uh, Justin Gaethje being announced as uh, the Ultimate Fighter coach. This guy came out of nowhere. He was a champion of World Series of Fighting, comes over in his UFC debut in a main event against Michael Johnson, who's so tough, and puts on probably the fight of the year and gets named uh, coach of the Ultimate Fighter across from Eddie Alvarez, who's one of the most exciting fighters of all time as well hopefully a lot of people don't judge him just for his performance against conor mcgregor this guy is one of the toughest fighters on the planet uh so yeah a lot of exciting things uh coming up and it's an exciting time for combat sports in general i, w- I wish they would have put al iaquinta as the uh, <laughs> the other coach across from justin gaichke i don't i don't know that either of them has really earned that spot you know yeah it's really for more uh you know I want to say long-standing, notable fighters, but man, that would be some fireworks on that show. Yeah, for sure. And that would be an exciting fight too. Yeah. So it's like 155 is like the cliffhanger division. It's like the one that's like keeping everybody at the edge of their seats, which you know is great. Can't complain about that. So, like I said, if you want to know about uh, Mayweather McGregor, you go back to episode 54. Other than that, I'm not going to bring it up on this podcast uh, too much until we get closer to the fight, and uh, maybe I'll do a breakdown. And I'll do a separate episode again, so if you want to skip it, you could skip it. Uh, Jeff, any plugs, social media, sponsors? Uh, I know you're, you're rocking, uh, <laughs> you're rocking a certain brand that got picked up by the UFC over there, too. Yeah, you know, and I, I wish I could get some free stuff out of it. I don't know any of the guys, but uh, as a, I'm a veteran of the United States Army, as in the infantry, and uh, we oftentimes called ourselves grunts, uh, so there's a... 
uh, clothing manufacturer called Grunt Style, which I recently found out they do all the outfits for the UFC Contender Series on Tuesday nights. Mm -hmm. And then we saw, we happened, I brought it up today because I saw their logo and um, they were up on the ring in the octagon, or I'm sorry, they were on the edge of the octagon. And I was like, wow, what a big jump for them. Uh, you know, really awesome com uh, company. They make some great shirts, uh, awesome styles. They, uh, I thought it was solely a veteran market, but it's obviously they're breaking into the big time. There you go. Um, I, I've been spotted wearing these shirts. I've had people call me out, and it's just kind of a way for us to say hello. And uh, they hire almost strictly veterans. Great company. Yeah. Uh, I love their stuff. So it's nice to see them working with the UFC. So if they were small before, I don't think they're going to be small very long. Yeah. Well, they support our veterans, so definitely worth a shout out yeah. here. And uh, I see you're looking to uh, to plug a beer that's been mentioned many a time on this podcast. Yes. Uh, one of my favorites. So go ahead and, and give them a shout. Yeah. In addition to uh, uh, Bill uh, introducing me to the finer aspects of tequila, he's also given me uh, Barley Mow Brewing Company, which is a, it's a Quackalope IPA. Because yeah. he's like, do you like hoppy beers? And I said, yeah, I love hoppy beers. This is... I wouldn't say the craziest, hoppiest beer. It's good. It's very yeah. smooth. Mm -hmm. um, this is, if you want an IPA, I mean, they're right here in Florida. Um, this is a great place to go. Uh, I, I haven't been to the actual brewery. I know uh, Bill is a favorite there. It's a, <laughs> a little bit like uh, Norman Cheers. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, this is, I, I got to say, this is a mighty fine uh, IPA. I, I think I've had two of these now. And, um, yeah, I appreciate that. I don't, I don't have no idea what the hell a quackalope is. <laughs> but you know, there's a picture of a looks like a platypus or a duck with crazy fiery horns. Yep. You know, but it's a mighty fine beer. Yeah, it's a delicious beer. That's exactly what it is. Yes, so you yes. nailed it. Uh, any social media channels you want to give a plug here? That people can track you down on, or you want to keep that stuff to yourself? Uh, yeah, my stuff usually is not fit for public consumption. But, uh, <laughs> if anybody really wanted to track me down, uh, you know, I'm always an advocate of uh, where Bill and I uh, train at at Gracie Clearwater here in uh, Clearwater, Florida. Uh, Bill mentioned something about Kimura Kings. I'll, I'll tell you a little tidbit about Bill <laughs> that uh, maybe some of your listeners don't know because you don't talk about yourself a lot. I it? don't. Yeah. No. Is uh, Bill has unusually flexible shoulders, and so I like to do a Kimura. <laughs> so for those of you not familiar with uh, jujitsu, that's kind of like a chicken wing where you're twisting your arm behind their back until they submit. And uh, Bill, Bill, most mostly I've given up on it because Bill's shoulders are so flexible. I get very scared about hurting him. <laughs> so I get it up there and I feel comfortable. Okay, a normal person, this would work. Okay, I'm just going to stop. And, um, you know, so if, but if I'm also the good at commerce, Bill, Bill is like the guillotine king. He will choke <laughs> you out of nowhere in spots you never thought of. Um, you know, it, it's it's a pretty impressive. It's something to be respected and uh, definitely a dangerous man right there. But yeah, if you want to find either of us, we're usually rolling around on the mats together at Gracie Clearwater. Yeah, you can find Jeff or myself out there. At, the secret is tequila, Jeff. That's how I lubricate the That's shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that'll help me now because yeah. Yeah, I get caught in those from time to time. <laughs> all right. As for the rest of you, you all know how to get a hold of me by now. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com. Don't be shy. Send me a note that way. Jeff, thanks for joining the podcast this afternoon. And as for the rest of you, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>